Stampod Productions. On your bike, a new cycling podcast. Byron, have a good first day of school. See ya. Hello and welcome to On Your Bike. We are a new cycling podcast and we are following the tour of Britain. We are in uh, Wrexham Library Car Park at the moment, Harriet Muckle, but it's a hive of activity. Uh, we're just standing in front of the Ineos Grenadiers bus and there are loads of people around us. Yeah, it's super busy today. I think there's a lot more cycling fans than there were yesterday. I mean, there's people gathering around the team buses, but this isn't just a library car park. There's lots of stuff going on. There's a sports centre and there's even the courts, Sunny. so you better behave yourself today. Um, yeah, we do need to behave ourselves and the race director is just walking past us. Hello. Who you told us, told us off yesterday. yesterday. <laughs> are you recording or not? We are yeah. recording, so please tell us off on, on the record. That's fine. No, I won't do that to you. Wouldn't dream of doing that oh, to please you. Please do, do, do. I'll have Give a chat with you in a minute. You're, oh dear, you're, right. You were one of the highlights of our podcast yesterday, apparently. Can I, what, what's your name, sorry, by the Guy way? Guy Elliot. Guy Elliot. So, so I'm going to say that you're going to tell us that we need to clear the start line way in advance of the last no, five minutes. I'm not going to say that to you. I'm going to say we recognise the great job you're doing. There you go. But when I ask you to move, if you could move, then I'll give you as long as possible. But when I ask you to move, I would like you to move very quickly. And we <laughs> Message will. received. We Go definitely will. Message today. received. Okay. Uh, thank you. Okay. Uh, right. Well, that's that's Guy there. Uh, but standing in for uh, Katie Madrick today is a cycling journalist who also works with ITV and uh, knows a thing or two uh, about uh, life on two wheels. It's Dan Deacons. Hello, guys. Hello. So Dan, um, we are in the car park, things are getting busy here, we can see the Bora riders have, have been, uh, I think, registered and come back, there's lots going on. Um, what is at stake today? Can you just remind us who's in which jerseys uh, and what's at play? Yeah, so having won the stage yesterday, Koi has the points jersey as well, uh, but Wout Van Aert will be wearing that for him on the road, because obviously he can't wear two jerseys at the same time. There's only one KOM point today. But James Fouché is wearing that jersey. And then in the youth jersey of, yeah, that's Olaf Koy as well. He's got three jerseys. But Stian Fredheim of UNOX is wearing that for him. And um, I don't think he gets a jersey, but he won the vote. Harry Tanfield, most combative rider for yesterday. He had a great time. He won the uh, sprint at Hazel Grove. He uh, gave it a good go on the rake. Um, and he even did a little TV interview once, um, once he was spent um, on the road whilst he was actually pedalling. And we caught up with Harry uh, just by his very colourful car a little earlier. Uh, yeah, it was a fun day out. Um, I knew some of the roads and I knew the stage from four, year, four years ago, it was. Um, from, yeah, from when I was riding with Katusha and it was the same stage. So I kind of knew what was ahead and it wasn't the plan, obviously, to be in the breakaway. But, um, but we had no one there in the front, so... I had to go, and uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you say it wasn't quite the plan. So, how did it kind of present yourself? Like you, you just going along and suddenly realise, well, there's only like four people ahead of me or something. I might as well just carry on going. <laughs> um, yeah, if cycling was like that, then um, it would be a lot nicer. But no, it was um, it was really moving fast at the start, and the big teams wanted to control the race as well. So there was a lot of blocking, and uh, you know. Uh, standard practice really goes on to control the race and um, some guys were going and I, I could see the road was closing so I look around me and there was no one there from my team so no one could could go so I could so I had to otherwise we had no one and the sprint at Hazel Grove oh, yeah. uh, on, on the highlights you look back and, and Boucher's looking like the wrong way it looks for a great image to try and see you, yeah. it's, like you it's hard to miss you let's be honest yeah um, 
I, I did think that, you know, when I was sprinting and I could see him always looking to the right and I was coming up the left and I was like, yeah, this is a good, um, this is a good move. And then I snuck fast and yeah, before he realised I was a bike length ahead of him, I think. So um, it was a good sprint though as well. So I did, I did a good... Huh? Coffee. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm better coffee. <laughs> um, Can we get one? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, like, I mean, I thought that uh, also it would be good to take it because I wasn't sure of the point system how it was working in the race, and um, it's quite clear that guys from the breakaway can't win uh, the jersey because the guys on the finish are winning too many points. But it was nice to get it, and uh, I thought, yeah, maybe we have a cheeky 500 euros as well. But, but, but there wasn't there wasn't a cheeky 500 euros. So you say you weren't sure on, on the next bit, and we heard, we heard on the telly you say uh, yeah, you I can thought have it the was next another one. Yeah, well, I thought it was two. You know, I, normally there's two on the stage. Um, so, um, so yeah, like the, I, I thought it was two. Like there was two KOMs, and um, I mean, I didn't really read the road book because for me, I was just going to make the time limit. You know, I was just uh, tranquilo because uh, I also rested before the race and. I didn't plan to be good on day one. I wanted to be good later in the race, so to ride into it, you know. And yeah, I found myself in the breakaway, and uh, those guys wanted to win the race, and they tried to go all the way to the line. And for me, I really had bad legs. Um, just had the worst legs of the of the year, and I, I knew what I could do in the race, and I, I knew I couldn't do what I wanted to, so I just stopped mm. and just cut my losses. And uh, there's seven more opportunities. So it was better to uh, to do that than flog a dead horse, I would uh, I would say. Speaking of legs, um, there's a video of you that's gone pretty viral of you unclipping yeah. <laughs> and then sticking your leg out, you know, trying to save yourself from yeah. the fall. But you didn't fall though. No, I didn't fall off. No, um, yeah, it caught me out of that corner. I was taking a drink before the corner, and um, there was quite a, a gap was opening up on the group, and um, it, I knew it was just. I thought, yeah, I see on my on my computer, it's just a 90 degree turn, nice road. I turn right and then there's no tarmac it was just uh, like a building site so um also the pressure was a little bit high in the tires so i go a little bit less today and uh, yeah i had to save myself otherwise i'm going i'm going into i really thought i was going into the i, just, I could just see the the people on the side and i was like very tight wasn't it yeah i was like well yeah if i'm going into them i'm going to go into them sliding rather than you know head first so um yeah i think i used the curb as a bit of a berm really to stop the bike and like with the leg out like that because it's on a loose surface then you can really control if it is sliding which it kind of was then you have some ability to balance yourself a little bit really um in that first when when you know it's like a yeah a big problem i had it before also in in wet races or uh, you come around a corner and you really don't expect something to be there then immediately first thing just unclip the leg because then you can control the bike a lot better um rather than being clipped in because if it's starting to slide or starting to go then you can't correct as easy uh, with the, with the leg out. You can really, it's like I guess the center of gravity or the, the it's the same as MotoGP. Like uh, they can really control the bike a lot more in the corner. Um, so yeah, uh, it's happened I'm before. Taking it's that happened, as a tip, it's I'm going to use that in the future. But yeah, I'm not ever go that fast around a corner. Mark. No, no, it's happened before. So that's that's how I've really realised. But yeah, um, but today yeah, a little bit less pressure, and uh, we're in a different county, so. Um, Let's hope for a changing. We're in a different time. country. A different country. Well, yes, yeah. <laughs> so, what are we expecting today? I don't know really. Um, obviously, like it depends who's allowed to go in the breakaway, and because um, it's a short stage, I don't know how much time they want to give. Um, I mean, for me, I'll also be looking around there, maybe trying to 
have a look today. I think if, if my legs are feeling better. Um, if I get there and I feel the same as tomorrow, then uh, then I, I'll probably just go back. But uh, let's hope that the leg's feeling good. That was a great chat with Harry. Good luck. I hope he has good legs today. Now, Dan, who do you think is going to be the winner of stage two? So my pick for today is Olaf Poy. What does the stage look like? Here's Harriet with the preview. Welcome to Wrexham. The once forgotten town is now known by millions after being thrown into the spotlight thanks to the Disney Plus sports documentary series. Cycling enthusiasts have been fans of the area long before its recent popularity with nearby Cluidium Range and Dee Valley, an area of outstanding natural beauty. It's one of the two stages in the 2023 race that will start and finish in the same place. The route kicks off through Gresford and Clay with a clockwise loop across the border into Cheshire. Then the stage really heats up at around 110 kilometres once the peloton passes through Clangochlan with an ascent of the fantastic Horseshoe Pass. And after passing the famous Beeston Castle and the Peckforton Hills, the route returns to Welsh Lopping through Bangor-on-Dee and Ruabon before heading back into Wrexham. The race ends with a thrilling sprint down Chester Street. It's the same finish as when Wrexham last hosted the race back in 2015 in front of a whopping 10,000 spectators. Stage 2 will be the second shortest point-to-point -point road stage in the Tour of Britain history, and I'm told this could lead to exciting results. Here's what route director Andy Hawes has to say about stage two. It's going to be an amazing stage. I mean, it's the shortest stage that we've ever run. It's just under 110 kilometres um, and we, we literally don't know how it's going to run out. It's either going to be super, super quick or they're going to take their time around it. But this stage could be done in like two and a half hours, possibly. So that's Wrexham. The race will be starting on Chester Street at 11.45. Well, thank you, Harriet. That was um, lovely. Uh, perfect pronunciation as well with the Welsh names. Yeah, I did try my best. You know, I'm not going to lie. I was on Google Translate, but I wanted to be respectful and try and pronounce everything all right. So I hope to any Welsh listeners, I did you proud. And hey, welcome to Wrexham. Very good. It's taken us, I don't know how many minutes, but we've got it in there. You've got the link in there. Um, so yes, we're at the home of Disney Plus. We're in Wrexham. We are going to now head over to the start line, um, get ourselves maybe another start list so we can have more than one between us. Catch up with some of the riders if we can. Um, and hopefully and, get shouted at. Yeah, and not, not get shouted at this time. Perhaps when we get asked to move Harriet, we do so straight away and save the selfies for later. He asked us very politely, so I feel like we've got to behave ourselves. Right, Dan, we will catch up with you uh, a little bit later on. Dan, Dan Deacons is going to be across the stage from On Your Bike HQ. And so whilst we are roaming around and gathering as much as we can, Dan will be uh, keeping across the stage. Just standing uh, by the Ineos Grenadiers bus, um, they've been doing a little uh, chat to the media. Who's, who's been talking here so far? So it's Tom Pigcock and Connor Swift. So they've been having a little chat. They're now doing a little bit of autograph signing, which when you think the race is in, what, 30 minutes time? Uh, well, that just shows the nice lads, doesn't it? Yeah, um, and we are waiting because we've, we've sent someone in to get to get Luke Rowe out of his bus. Hi, Luke. Oh, yeah, sure, thank you. Um, Make my life easy. <laughs> yeah. uh, Hi, so, I'm Harriet. Nice to meet you. Sanny, nice to meet you. Well, uh, yeah, well, all right. Just, you know, normally podcasters don't interview other podcasters, but you happen to have a another massive role as well, of course. Um, how, how are you feeling, first off? Yeah, so far so good. Um, I said a few times how rare it is to uh, be able to race in the UK now um, at this level. So it's just nice to be on home shores. We obviously got two stages in Wales. Today's one of the two, and then finishing in Caerphilly. So. Uh, yeah, just 
excited for a looking forward to a good week. I know you were disappointed not to make the, the welter team, but yeah, to be back in Wales, it, it, that's a pretty good consolation prize. Yeah, you know, like a suit. That was obviously um, a disappointment, but as soon as that that decision was made, I asked for one thing of the program, and that was to come here. Um, for me, it was the next best thing, and looking at how it's unfolded, maybe it's uh, maybe it's the best thing. So um, yeah, you said the weather yesterday was like mud everywhere, and we've got blue skies and, and brilliant Manchester. Yeah, we've managed to book a good week, haven't we? So no, it's just uh, that was quite a disappointment to be honest, and I'm at the point now where. You know whether I go to a race or not, it's not the biggest deal in the world. But that one, that one hurt a bit. So uh, yeah, next best thing is here. Everyone seems to be getting pumped in the bus. What kind of prep do you do for a stage like this? Uh, like the here and now, it's just uh, it's actually the opposite. Try and stay quite chilled and relaxed. I think um, any nervous energy is wasted energy. So just try and stay chilled. Some of the some of the younger guys will. Like Big Ben, he'll be dancing around in there, but uh, no, I'll try and stay chilled and just, uh, yeah, not waste too much energy. But of course, today in particular is a, is a really short stage, so maybe a bit of uh, bit of nervous energy ain't bad today. I was going to ask about the short stage, but he threw it in. Oh, well, there you go. Well, I guess, I guess I'm, I'm the generic sports journalist with the generic questions of, like, you know, any, any plan against Yumbo? To be honest, I think the first six days are pretty much nailed on sprints, and... It's a tough one to beat. They got the fastest guy in the race and potentially the second fastest guy in the race. So that's tough to counter as a team who haven't got an out and out sprinter here. But, um, you know, for sure, with, with no time bonuses given, it could come back to placing. So we've got to look after Tom the best we can. Um, we tried him yesterday, it didn't work out. We got a bit of a different plan today on how we're going to approach the final kilometres and uh, we'll try and back Tom just to try and get him up there as much as possible. Great, the route directors here, Andy Horse, just having a chat on the start line. Lovely job. He organises the entire route. <laughs> Sets it all up. Good job, innit? You could do that job, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah easy job. you could do that job. Andy, how are you feeling? Hey, I'm, I'm very well. How are you this morning, Sandy? <laughs> I need more sleep. The edit's taking a while, but I can't complain. Okay, uh, well, you know, it's uh, we shouldn't be gathering so much content. <laughs> what, what are your what how do you keep cool how do you you know you're going on this bike every day for like four hours at a time are you not like dying by the end um i kind of i guess i'm kind of accustomed to it i've been doing it uh, a number of years now uh, the first time it, yeah it was uncomfortable but your body adapts and you just get used to it just make sure you go for a wee before the race starts that's a good tip that's a very good tip um any other tips for us on as far where we should be going today to catch it because at the moment we've got start and finishes here where we are right now right yep anywhere else we should be trying to get to in between do you think i, I think i think there's going to be so much going on here all day uh and the, the stage is going to be super short i wouldn't stress yourself i would stay here i would take on the ambience that this has got to go and offer have a look around the tour village i know there's activities on the start finish straight you know may, maybe have an easier day because it's gonna it's gonna get harder and if, if, you, if you're struggling now <laughs> this is a man with experience uh, well at which point we're gonna get thrown off <laughs> no, you're not gonna get thrown off just yet <laughs> i'll give you some uh, I, I bumped into ned bolton this morning he said absolutely brilliant loved it nice nice one good luck good luck andy right so that's andy hall's route director
and we are just going to carry on walking. Look, I think what we've got to establish here, Harry, is if we just pretend we know what we're doing, nobody bats an eyelid. All, I mean, you're dressed up to the nines, so everyone thinks you're the police. I don't, I dressed down today because yesterday you kept saying I was dressed up. My wife was eyeing the shirt for me just so I could look less smart compared to you. You join us from uh, the first roundabout on the first straight of the Tour of Britain. We've just seen uh, Andy, Andy Hawes uh, go past. In fact, the local, the, local for Andy. Yeah, the local primary school have just all filled out onto the street just behind us. There's just a sea of white shirts of primary school. And this is probably the first day of school. Imagine this being your first day of school. Every day after this, it's going to be downhill. If this is your first day, you get to see a cycling race go past your school. You get to miss half your classes, you know. I mean, I'd say as an ex-teacher, they're just going to be unmanageable after this. What a great experience. And also, maybe inspiring the youth to get into cycling. That's exactly what we need. Yeah. We should probably find out what the school's called as well. Give them a, give them a shout out. I'll, I'll try and do that if oh, I've got time. Oh, yeah, they are all waving. What's the name of the school? Alexander. Alexander. Alexander School, can you make some noise? Yeah! You can be louder than that, come on. Yeah! Are you ready for the race? Yeah! They are ready. <laughs> We're just on the straight. They are going, they're going to go mad. Is this, is this the first day of school? Is this your first day of school? What a first day! Right, the tour is coming. We're on the way. Mr. Jones, they pointed me your way. Hi. Hello. Hello. Uh, my name's my name's Sunny. We're from a new podcast called On Your Bike. Shall I give Mr. Jones a sticker? Yes. Go on. There you go. That's for you. For you, Lanyard. There you go. Thank you. Um, Stick it on your forehead. Stick it on your forehead. Uh, is this? <laughs> they love you. Mr. Jones. Mr. Jones. Anything to? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any, anything to do the ladies' classes started again. Um, is, this, is this the first day back for school? Yeah, this is our very first day back. I so mean, how amazing is that for your first day back? Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. The weather's obviously turned up for us as well. And I'm guessing you've done a lot of activities. We've obviously been them in today and we've just briefly talked about what the tour is, what it means, but to be hosting it you know, on, on our doorstep, we're around the corner here. It's a wonderful opportunity. The new curriculum for Wales is all about giving the children opportunities outside of the classroom. So to give them the experience like this is 
fantastic. Uh, and, and how do I pronounce your school's name properly? Uh, Uskol is Welsh for school, ah. so it's Uskol and it's Alexandra. Ah, great. So they've had, they're having the best morning. A brilliant morning. Brand new class, new teachers, so it's lovely. Great, great. Well, to interview you, I'd need several permissions, I imagine, and I, I know all about I'll that. I'll speak on your behalf. But, but Mr Jones can speak. So, Mr Jones, what's, what's your role? So, I'm Key Stage 2 lead at the department, the juniors, and Year 5-6 uh, class teacher. So, this is the Year 5-6 class. We've brought all of Key Stage 2 out. Um, so, we've got six, six classes of roughly about 30 in each one. And from what you've seen... Are kids interested in cycling and, and, and getting active in sport? I think there needs to be they need to be exposed more to cycling. Uh, I'm keen myself. I love doing it. Um, I think there's limited opportunities, but an event like this obviously opens their their eyes to it, and hopefully it'll start in maybe the BMX parks and the skate parks and stuff, and then they can get onto the roads and enjoy it themselves. Well, great, Alexandra. Thank you all. If you want, you can shout. You can all shout on your bike. Ready? One, two, three. We're only 20 kilometres in, and somewhat surprisingly, it's all calmed down. I was expecting more fireworks, to be honest. Four guys have gone up the road: Jacob Scott of Blackspoke, Callum Ormerson of Global Six, Finn Crockett of St Piran, and Abram Stockman of TDT Unibet. And it's relaxing the peloton with Jumbo Visma controlling although they are keeping them on a short leash at around 30 seconds. We managed to catch the start of the race. It was pretty exciting stuff again. And then Sunny was off, you know, chatting to primary school kids. And, <laughs> and I managed to get in an amazing spot where I got an acute wave from Andy Horse and then got right close up of Tom Pidcock, but we traipsed around trying to find the media centre and we finally found it. Um, it took us a while, didn't it, Sonny? Uh, yeah, it, it did. Um, you follow the green signs and eventually a blue sign tells you where to go. But anyway, enough of us complaining. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite nice, isn't it? Considering oh, we were kind of prepared for it to be raining every day, actually it's been boiling sun and now a bit of, a bit of cool, a bit of dark is OK, but it's, it's you know, we've got a nice, lovely wood-panelled room. Um, I think we're on the other side of a, of a museum or something. Like to go to the Louvre, you've got to go through the museum. Um, but yeah, it's quite quite nice. And we've got a big screen showing the tour at the moment. There's uh, journalists all behind us and broadcasters. There's one guy just editing a, a piece on on, on Premiere. I can see a L'Equipe camera, so French press are here as well. Um, and we've got these lovely, uh, really heavy race manuals, which means that our knowledge of the tour has gone up exponentially. So that's really useful. Um, but yeah, that's what we're up to at the moment. They're super snazzy, these manuals. They must have cost a fortune. Definitely going to be doing my homework on that tonight. But we've got Dan back at Race HQ and he has just sent me a message. So let's have a listen. We've just passed through the halfway point of the stage with 55 kilometres to go. And it's very much status quo. The breakaway of Scott, Ormiston, Crockett and Stockman still have 35 seconds. The average speed is 47 kilometres an hour. So it's not the fastest, but it's not slow either. At only 109 kilometres, we're missing the usual middle part of the race, so the breakaway isn't being given any kind of breathing space. Have a time out from the tour to get some lunch. Stepping into the Priory Cafe. Busy today, then. Very today. Busy, busy than normal. Is the tour, is the tour brought in extra people?
<laughs> well, I think this must be uh, the race village. I can see St. Pyrrhon here in force. They've got uh, a stall, got a couple of cycle shops, and uh, round the middle of this little park is, well, a cycle track for kids. There's uh, a windy path, and then there's an actual uh, mobile ramp that's been put up. They've got to weave round this, uh, this, this bend with quite a camber as well. And then they've got a metal little loopy bit to go up and down. I can see there's a young lad in uh, UCI World Champion colours. Oh, the shop's here, 50% off. Don't do it, Sonny. Don't do it. Yeah, don't wear, don't wear a World Champion jersey until you've earned it. Uh, I think those days are behind me. Hi, yeah, um, I'm uh, Dan Makin, and uh, I'm the founder of a company called Dirt Factory. Carbon fibre oh, riding surface, yeah. We get a lot of balanced bike riders on this track for the young ones it's good because it helps teach bike handling skills the tracks like one meter wide you know so it really kind of makes the riders just develop those uh, bike handling skills and cornering technique um, our primary objective is to open an indoor mountain bike center so right. similar to your indoor ski slopes but all mountain bike related features trails all under one roof if somebody turned around and said, you know, kid, kids aren't interested in getting on the bike, they're interested in, you know, Minecraft, <laughs> staying indoors, or, you know, maybe even after the pandemic, you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of kids who haven't had as much time outdoors or are used to it. What, what's your experience been when kids have come down here? Every event we do, it sounds cliche, but fun. Fun is like the, the co common denominator. Everybody always leaves and they say they've had a fun time. And I think, they'll, they'll, you know, I've got two young girls myself, yeah, kids stuck behind iPads, computers. I just think they're missing out on a lot of, a uh, lot of fun and a lot of life skills and a lot of social interaction as well. So you you gotta come and give the the great outdoors a go, which is ironic because we're trying to open an indoor place, but we're trying to actually open an indoor place to build skills so more people ride outside. If you know what I mean. In general, you know we're here at a road race and, and British. Yeah. The British road racing scenes and a bit of a sticky situation at the moment. You know, like as far as getting kids engaged in sport, in cycling, is there any more you feel like in an ideal world you'd like? I don't know from from the decision makers, British cycling, whoever it could be. Yeah, I mean, without calling them out, you know. I know it's a tough one, dude. That because a lot more can be done, 100. percent uh, And then you hear. I know we follow Cycling UK and they're, they're advocating for cycling in general and if you're aware of, of, of what's gone on recently the government have just cut a, like, I think it's £200 million of funding towards I think it's the active travel stuff Right. you know so what, what we, one breath you hear there's funding being pumped into it and another breath you hear funding being pulled away um, so yeah we're, we're kind of at the sharp end we, we, we keep kind of busy but yeah, for sure, there should be some more funding out there, so more stuff like this can go ahead. Because it's so, it has such a positive impact, right? And physical activity, mental well-being, social interaction. It's a, it's a life skill, right? And then with bikes today as well, there's so much you can do with bikes. You can customise them, put stickers on them, you know, do all this cool trick stuff, and it becomes much more than just riding your bike. Just headed over from the part of the athlete village thing, the cycle village thing, onto the start straight where, yes, we've gone full Wembley Stadium when it comes to the PA. With the big screen just behind me, lots of people congregating over here. 
19 kilometres to go and the race has been over the only categorised climb of the day at Ayton Hill. Crockett took four points, Scott three, Stockman two and Fouché attacked out of the peloton for one point to extend his lead in the KOM jersey. At the moment, the gap to the peloton is 10 seconds. We've also just been through an intermediate sprint and it's Crockett and Stockman left at the front. So that's it. He says the gap's 10 seconds. I can see on the big screen it's now dropped down to nine. So the two at the front are very much being caught up now. So it's Finn Crockett and Jacob Scott who still are ahead of the peloton, but it is looming large right behind them. They're not even like in soft focus now, the peloton. They are right behind them. 13.4 kilometers to go. They're going to get caught. It'll take a lot for them to stay out there. Um, I suppose at this point, I should try and get a, a decent position. Me and Harry have kind of split up at the moment. Uh, we're trying to figure out quite what we're going to do, but uh, I think we'll try and go around to the other side and see what we're doing. Glasgow in the World Championship. He was in the leading group for around about 180 kilometers. Hey, you all right? Hey, sorry, don't, don't worry, I'm, I'm radio, you know, I'm audio. You don't need to move out of the way for me right now, don't worry. <laughs> Hello, uh, Sani, by the way, hiya. Simon, Wrexham leader. Ah, oh, brilliant. Um, how's, uh, how's the day gone for you? Very well, thanks, yeah. Uh, got plenty of crowd shots, start, what more do Pictures all gone. Yeah. 12 kilometres to go and it's all back together thanks to Jumbo Visma, who have been working on the front with Jos van Emden and Steven Kreuzweig for the entire stage with no help from other teams. It's a fairly straight run back into Wrexham, but the final kilometre features a sharp left-hander at 600 metres to go, followed by a right-left kink. So those wishing to contest the stage need to be positioned in the first five riders at that point. DSM rider Tobias Lund Anderson, one who crashed hard and it caused a little bit of a split in the group. So you had the three Jumbo Visma riders leading out Olaf Koy and Dave Van Poppel leading out Sam Bennett going into the final. And yeah, it, typical Jumbo Visma, just excellent lead out, holding on at the front and Koy sprinting for the win. GC is mostly unchanged. Olaf Koy is first, Wout Van Aert second, Sam Bennett third, Mac Tant fourth, Danny Van Poppel fifth. Ethan Vernon sip. Olaf Coy again, Dan, stage winner. This was this was always on the cards, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean it it slightly depended on the kind of stage that we got, but once the four riders went up the road and then Jumbo just controlled it, it was like, well, we're getting a bunch of sprint and Olaf Coy's gonna win, so yeah, so, um, and he had he had a, a great ride out again, lead out by Wout Van Aert. I mean, you basically got like one of the best riders in the world doing the heavy lifting for you, right? 
Yeah, and he's so experienced as well. I mean, he's a good few years older than Coy, and Coy's an established rider, but he's still a young sprinter. Um, but to have someone like Wout Van Aert leading you out, and then to have a strong man like Eduardo Affini in front of both of you to take you into that last kilometre, you know, you've just got the sprinters behind them and they're not going to stand a chance, really. Yeah, so we were we were in various positions, different positions for the, for the finish, um, and you would have had a better view on screen than we probably had, I certainly had, in, in the melee of all the people. Um, so just describe to us what, what happened in that last kilometre as a, as a crane just behind us starts moving around I think we'll be okay yet uh, what, what exactly describe that last kilometre for us what was going on well so we had the battle as we usually do with all the teams trying to get their sprinter up towards the front but it was so it wasn't quite perceptible from looking at the profile on the website but it was downhill so we're absolutely flying and then you had all these technical little free stuff that you wouldn't even notice that regularly but it was you know, jinking and diving to avoid bits and bobs. And then there were these no parking cones. And that was where we saw this big crash with Tobias Lund Anderson. And I mean, it looked awful on TV, it looked really bad. And from the aerial, it looked like Coy had sort of pushed him, not necessarily pushed him, but had sort of edged, like, like in Formula One, he'd like edged him towards the edge. But uh, apparently the commissaires didn't deem that bad enough for a DQ. We've seen those no parking cones, like, throughout and and i get why they're there you know we saw them like way out in the stage and you can see every now and then there's a random car like on the side that's going to get itself towed away um it, it didn't quite seem like it was necessary to even have those there then by that point right no i mean they'll have already had Wrexham town center closed off anyway to traffic so i mean i've seen it pointed out on twitter that by um ethan haters dad that it's uh it, it really wasn't necessary to have those there and it was dangerous as well because it's effectively what's caused the crash because the the cones are a good half a foot out from the curb and that's what he's hit so mm. i mean i know you mentioned a potential elbow is that maybe i mean the last elbow i can think of as a big crash was the fabio jacobson terrible crash i mean it's really dangerous isn't it yeah and it's the positioning as well, because you've got your elbows out naturally when you're sprinting anyway. Um, so the problem is, in this scenario for me, is that Lund Anderson is there, and then Coy and Jumbo sort of sweep across. So Coy is going into Lund Anderson, and then they're sort of shoulder to shoulder, pushing against each other, and then that's when Lund Anderson crashes. Um, so, I mean, Coy would probably argue that he was behind him, so he couldn't see him when it happened. But, yeah... Well, uh, let's hear uh, what Olaf Coy has to say about it. I caught up with him uh, a little earlier, and for him, it was nothing more than a racing incident. Yeah, I think I was just following uh, following Wout, uh, Eduardo and Wout, and I guess we were next to Bora, and yeah, we just went from the left to the side to the right of the road, and I think yeah, he was just moving up, and we ended up, I think, uh, yeah, next to each other, nowhere to go, and so uh, yeah, I think there was a slight touch there, but. Yeah, not. I don't think not uh, that there was anything I could could really do. Um, after something like that, do you, do you go and find either rider? Because obviously you'll see him tomorrow. But I don't know. Does, does, do you, are there any discussions there or anything? Yeah, I, I haven't seen the footage myself. Uh, so yeah, we'll need to see uh, see uh, what, what really happened there. Um, and then yeah, normally if there's time, uh, then then yeah, normal to to see see the other rider. Yeah.
Um, Wout Van Aert as the lead-out man again. I mean, he's he's doing a great job for you, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not much he can't do, is it? Uh, I think, uh, yeah. Like I said yesterday, uh, just a huge uh, confidence and uh, to to have him in front of you and a huge benefit. So, uh, yeah, really nice that we could show again that that yeah, to be successful. So winning again, can we expect you to win on stage three? Yeah, hopefully we can make it a hat trick. I mean, uh, yeah, still still some six stages to go. So uh, yeah, we'll make the best of uh, of the rest of the week. Uh, and how how will it now be dealing with? Obviously, all the other teams know the Jumbo winning machine is rolling on. Um, you know, how, how do you then deal with with them countering against you? Yeah, we will we will need to see. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite hard to to control it uh, with two guys the whole race. So uh, yeah, maybe we will change tactics. Well, congratulations again, and uh, yeah, we'll see you in stage three. Congratulations Thank you. and good luck. So that's Olaf Koy there, the stage winner here in Wrexham. He's the overall GC lead, of course, because he's won the first two stages now. Um, seemingly unstoppable in the Yumbo machine. Funny there what you said about, you know, maybe having to change the tactics, Harry, if, if they're the ones to watch. But I don't think they need to, did he, when, they, when they've got such great riders with him? No, and as I think Katie mentioned, it could potentially be Jumbo Visma winning every single stage, which is, that's just how good they are. And I don't know if tactics comes into it or not when you've got someone like Wout Van Aert leading the way. Well, well I'll tell you what, let's, let's have a think back to earlier in the race, um, because there, there was quite a lot going on. And, and um, Dan, we had two riders in particular on their own in that breakaway towards the end. And they, they were part of four originally, weren't they? Yeah, well, like I said earlier, I was expecting a big fight because it's such a short stage I was expecting a sort of Belgian style classics race where everyone just goes full gas for the whole race but it didn't these four four guys popped off the front and well it was quite funny because they only had 30 seconds or so and they'd be riding like that for probably half an hour to an hour and the moto driver sort of came up alongside Finn Crockett from St Piran and just sort of not asked him how it was, how it was going but you know gestured to him going what are you going to say anything and uh yeah, he wasn't enjoying himself. <laughs> well, he sounded pretty chirpy after the race and I caught up with him. Let's hear what he had to say. It's a bit of a tough day, actually. I mean, I was kind of hoping uh, the bunch would have given us a little bit more time out front. Um, so basically four of us went up the road and um, I think the biggest gap that we got um, was about 45 seconds. So that just meant that we had to pedal hard pretty much the whole day. Um, we were kind of hoping for it to go up to you know a minute, two minutes, but with the stage being so short, yeah, the, the main guys just didn't want the gap to go out. So, no, it was good. And then, yeah, I was like, I need to get at least something out of this um, the stage. We've been out front. So, yeah, I got the, the KOM point and then um, just tried to help my, my teammate out at the end because um, I still saved a little bit for that. And any role of being a top 10, which is pretty awesome. So Yeah, because you were in the leading four and then it dropped down to two and you were still hanging in there at the end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, like, we were never going absolutely full all day. We, we, we kind of kept something in reserve because we knew that the peloton was chasing so hard behind so um yeah i mean it's always good to get out front it's good for the team it's good to um you know showcase what we can do um, i mean this is one of the, the kind of highest level races that we compete at all year so um yeah to get out there and get some tv time and um to put my name at those is, is, is cool as well so absolutely fantastic so what about tomorrow i'm probably in the mix maybe um i think one of the other guys is still in the guy uh, yesterday is still in the k1 jersey but yeah if the opportunity comes then maybe um 
you know, the tour is quite sprint focused and we've got a sprinter here, so we're, we're, we're going to try to help Will out and, um, and then we'll go for other opportunities when, when they kind of come up. So Now, Finn won the King of the Mountains today, but he didn't go home with a jersey, did he, Sunny? No, um, and Dan, I know uh, Harriet was, was asking me to explain that. So how, how does it work now? So, so Finn's, Finn won the points today but he doesn't have the overall King of the Mountains. So Finn would have won four today, so he's up to seventh in the classification. Um, but James Fouché, who was in the peloton, he was very sort of active, not active at the front, as in he was working, but he was hiding in the wheel, sort of just because the gap was only 20 seconds at that point. So James Fouché had 16 points, having been in the breakaway yesterday, picking up points. So he didn't need to, but he sprinted out of the peloton to claim one point. So he now has a three-point gap on Zeb Kiffin of St Piran. Hello, James Fouché, Bolton Equities, Black Spoke Pro Cycling. Well, James, as a man with a 12-letter surname, thank you for pronouncing your name in the way that it should be said and not the way every other commentator <laughs> out there, because I know your pain. Yep. Yeah, I've heard it every way possible, I think. So, um, yeah, it doesn't really phase me too much. <laughs> Get you, used to it. you are Fouché from now on. Your yeah. actual name, so congrats. Um, <laughs> King of the Mountains, how are you feeling? Pretty good, yep. Uh, it's only two days in. We got uh, six more days to go, so I think uh, if we take take away over the whole week, I think um, should be good. Uh, I should have said, by the way, I'm Sunny, and this is Harriet, and we're making yes. a podcast called On Your Bike, a new cycling podcast for newbies and oldies. Uh, Harriet, um, yep. we've got the King of the Mountains here. He knows all about the rake. <laughs> Do you think stage three you can still make it to King of the Mountains? Yep, I think uh, I haven't had a deep look into the stage but I had a glance I think there's only th two cat three climbs so what's that that's eight points up for grabs yeah, I reckon we can go for it so hopefully we'll see how it goes and I ask this obviously with, with the greatest respect obviously for one of the smaller teams how important is it to, to have the team right up there on the podium yeah definitely we're it's our first time at this race um, first year pro continental level so um, it's always good to get the name out there and our um, big boss sponsor Murray Bolton um, he's always watching the race so uh, he's loving it and we've got four Brits here as well so it's also a bit of a home race for them so it's good It doesn't feel like Britain right now though does it? It's bright sunshine, yeah. what's it like cycling yeah. in this heat? Yeah, are you aware it's not normally like this? <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, uh, I think I did it, I've done this twice before and there's been like maybe there hasn't been day like this I've done it so uh, it's good, I love it so what, what's your plan now as far as downtime goes? How does it, how does it work? Uh, well, we got a two and a half hour drive to the hotel after this. Um, and then usually put the feet up for a bit, have a massage with our staff. They, they do a good rub. So um, then dinner time and chill out and go to bed. Are you one of those to be like reviewing the race or watching the highlights or are you just kind of like park it and have a chill? Um, no, I'll park it. I'm quite intense focusing for two and a half to four hours a day, so I think just relax, maybe put some put some rugby on. I reckon I've got a bit to catch up on. So that's James Boucher there. Um, yeah, happy to talk and glad to hear he's a, a listener of On Your Bike, or he will be very soon. I think he took a sticker. Um, so where are we up to now in the overall classification, Dan? Well, it's mostly stayed the same. The top four is exactly the same because it was the same top four as yesterday. Uh, the only difference now is that Danny Van Poppel of Bora Hansgrohe, who is technically Sam Bennett's lead-out man, finished ahead of him today in third. So he's jumped up to fifth. And then you have Britain's 
Ethan Vernon in sixth. Best young rider behind Coy. Fridheim in seventh. Bonboy in eighth. Pidcock is up to ninth, having finished in the group today at the front. And then Serrano of Movistar, last year's winner in tenth. Yeah, so that leaves, in case you're not quite sure on the top four, then Coy at the top, Van Art second, Sam Bennett third, uh, and Max Cancer of uh, Movistar fourth. Um, Sam Bennett, he, he, twice now he's been he's been almost there, he's been the nearly man, um, not quite not quite made it. I mean, he, he's one of the best sprinters in the world. What, what is it just luck here? Is it just positioning? How, how can he do better? Not that he's not great already, but you know what I mean? So he has been one of the best... I'm not saying he's not. I'm saying he has been one of the best sprinters in the world for a few years, and he was on his previous team. Um, he is moving on at the end of this year. So it is worth saying that he's sort of doing one of his last races with the team, so he's trying to get a victory. But, yeah, that, that final was all about positioning. And Danny Van Poppel is one of these sprinters who... He's been at Team Sky before as a lead-out man. He really is um, proficient in this holding, like Wild Van Aert did for Koi today holding at the front and could be a sprinter on his own and he has on occasion sprinted for himself it was just I think that that finale was not too technical but Sam just couldn't get round him at the end and I think he probably wanted his lead out man to move out of the way right before we call things a day here in uh, Wrexham as the kids continue to, to whiz round this little mini track in front of us um, Luke Lamperty the American we chatted to him on the start line before the series uh, had a pretty good showing today Dan yeah he's uh, his team is one of these that it's a small British team, but they're really punching above their weight when it comes to, well, a talent like Lamperty. And uh, he's only 20 years old, but he's heading to the highest level of cycling next year. And uh, his team were very present at the front, trying to get him up to the front. And uh, yeah, there was the gap. The gap in the last in the last kilometre caught him out a little bit, but he managed to get seventh, which is not a bad result at all. Yeah, so he's with Trinity Racing, British team. So where's he off to after this? You mentioned he's on his way. Yeah, so he's going to the Belgian De Koenig Quickstep team, which is where Ethan Vernon is leaving at the uh, this season. So Ethan Vernon's leaving. He's the top British rider. If this isn't going to get too yeah. technical. Well, where, where, <laughs> do we know where Ethan Vernon's going? Are we talking more deadline day transfer moving? Sort of, but it's not that, it's not that uh, panicky. <laughs> no, Ethan Vernon is off to Israel Premier Tech team. Which is also, okay. uh, it's sort of they're, they're the tier below the highest level, but they're still a good team. So yeah, we, we dipped in and out of the commentary today um, with, a, with a finish and a beginning at the same point. It was a bit of a different stage today. Um, we'd love to catch up with Ned Bolting. We can see you've been trying try and find him maybe in the back of one of these uh, broadcast trucks. My name's Ned Bolting. I'm the, uh, I commentate on the Tour de France for ITV and I'm also commentating with David Miller on ITV for the um, Tour of Britain. Hello, my name's Matt Barbet. I present the ITV4 coverage of the Tour of Britain, I've been doing that since 2015. Glorious, isn't it? I mean, it's, I've enjoyed it a lot. It's been like, uh, the weather makes all the difference. It really does. To the crowd, you can see that quite clearly, but even to the riders as well, it just lifts the whole, lifts the whole vibe, lifts the whole race, because there have been, let's not lie, I've been doing this race since 2008 off and on, um, as a presenter and as a, as a commentator now, and um, there have been entire editions that have been shrouded in drizzle and, and storm, and it just has a big impact on the race. But, you know, a big part of bike racing is showing the countryside and the cities and towns off to their very best. And when it's cold and wet and grey, it's miserable. And, and, you know, when it's like this, the countryside sparkles. 
on that, um, you have a correction on the castle name, don't you? Apparently it's like famous from Cheshire Live or something. Well, People no, get I just said to Sadie, everyone gets married at Peckforton Castle. I they do. That. It's all, is it all celebs get married there? Well, when Nothing, I say I that, don't know about anything about I this either. I did to show Sadie and it said Sierra got married there and Beyonce attended. But didn't they film, they filmed some <laughs> kids TV show there, didn't they? Like the did Worst they? Witch or something was filmed oh, there no, as well. I used to yeah. watch the Worst Witch back in the day. Oh, we've gone full member berry so yeah, soon. Um, I'd love to get married in Peckforton Castle, but I didn't. So shame. I discovered about that. So I never, I never heard of it before. Um, but um, I discovered. No, nor not, I. Yeah, but it was built in the 19th century, mid 19th century. Not that old, really. It was built by a, 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 a local Cheshire industrialist who just went, "I fancy building myself a ridiculous <laughs> mock, you know, Norman medieval castle." So it's kind of, it's quite uh, new. Yeah, and enough people don't know that story. It just becomes, oh yeah, it's a really old ancient castle here. It's not. It's not at all. Um, Matt, it looks like you've got the fun job here. We saw you in the highlights with Dame Sarah's story on the finish line and, and, and Ned's stuck in a, in a box most of the time, isn't he? Well, the funny thing is I inherited this fun job from Ned because, <laughs> because every year the Tour of Britain clashes with the Vuelta España, which is the third of the Grand Tours, really, and Ned went off to do that and his parting shot to me was the Tour of Britain's really special, it's really good fun. And he's absolutely right and it's great that he's back on it and we're now working on it together. Of course, Ned doing the commentary, which he's brilliant at and I just get to flounce around looking vaguely interesting and interested on, on camera That's for a sort of five, exactly, you know, five <laughs> minutes a day and then I get to press the flesh and enjoy hospitality. Uh, but in all seriousness, we all do it because as Ned said, it's, it's really good fun and when the weather is good, there's nowhere better and Britain does look amazing and it is a privilege to go around every September to different places. I mean, we would have chalked up most of the towns and cities in Britain over the time we've done the tour of Britain. And you get a real sense of, of the country and the people in it and just how green and vibrant Great Britain is. So, yeah, we love it. We do it for the fun, not the money. There's been a huge amount of support as well. Like yesterday and today, people have been lining the streets, getting into cycling, which is good because that's something the sport really needs. I mean, you shouldn't, you shouldn't underestimate, underestimate that either because, you know, these pros, they race all over the world, predominantly in Europe, but also in other territories as well across the world and throughout the year. And um, they won't always get that everywhere they race. You know, they'll be older, more prestigious races that date back hundreds of years, but they aren't as well visited as this race is. So you shouldn't underestimate how important that is to the riders. And it gives them a sense that this race matters. You know, when they attack on a climb and it's, you know, five deep either side, they go, well, hang on, this is this is it you know this kind of it's important to them it's like footballers playing in a half empty stadium you know it's this matters you also get a sense of where the real heartlands of cycling are in the uk we're off to yorkshire now cycling heartland east midlands nottinghamshire finishing newark tomorrow cycling heartland oh it's not yorkshire's definitely that corner of nottinghamshire derbyshire southwest yorkshire as well i mean come on there's a there's a there's a ton of cyclists down there and uh, it's not far from where it's Tom, not far Tommy name escapes me what, Tommy, Simpson, Tommy Simpson the greatest British rider ever yeah he's very he's not far from he's there right he's Durham man uh, no but he was he was training and racing down but in that part of the world not claim him no, like, not claiming yeah, yeah. him but isn't isn't the isn't, isn't the little memorial to him cut like, this out cut not this not out you're listening to Never Stray's Far <laughs> let me reiterate the point yeah. It takes you to the heartlands of cycling. We're off to Yorkshire tomorrow, real heartland of cycling. We finish in South Wales, you know, the home hometown just down the, down the road of Luke Rowe, of Geraint Thomas, you know, of, and, you know. So you go to these places and you get massive turnouts. And yes, occasionally in parts of the Midlands as well. Uh, final question, because I know you've, you've yeah, packed you your Brompton up. You've got to go. Okay. Uh, we're new to cycling as broadcasters. You guys are seasoned. I'm not going to say veterans. No, you can say that. Say I, ve- just, I always get it written about <laughs> <laughs> uh, any, any general advice? We had some advice like don't waste all your time at the team buses, which we 
we split up today, so we managed to get away with it. Yeah. But we almost lost half our time to waiting around for Ineos riders, which in the end paid off, but could have gone either way. I think the stories lie elsewhere. I mean, you know, I understand why probably for your listeners that you're trying to, you know, bring along with you on this journey. Well, we had a Harry Tanfield on as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, go, go, go and have a word with um, Flanders Balois, see what they're all about. And then when you found out, tell me. <laughs> uh, well, I'll take you up on that. I think my advice is that unlike other sports, the main protagonists are still pretty accessible. Yeah, very much Actually, so. very much so. they are, they're all fans first and foremost. There's plenty of people who play football that don't actually, you know, watch football. I mean, Ben White at Arsenal famously doesn't really watch football, even though he plays in defence for one of the best teams in the country. But most, if not all, of the cyclists have come up as kids, Tom Pickock being a prime example, and they live and breathe it. They love it. And especially the Belgians and the Dutch. And, you know, there's a Dutch in the leader's jersey and Olaf Coy as well. They live and breathe it. It's a life. It's not a job. um, And they will have tons of stories. Keep up the good work. I yeah. enjoyed listening Ned, to Matt, this Matt, thank you very much. Right, so let's wrap things up here, Harriet. Another gorgeous day in Great Britain. Proud like to be British <laughs> yeah, with weather like this. Yeah, it feels like we're on holiday. <laughs> um, Dan, thank you so much for uh, stepping in today. Now, I know we're going to be catching up with you. Is it stage seven in Felixstowe, I think? Yeah, well, I'm doing, I'm on site for three, six and seven, but I will see you at, on the road, I'm sure. <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. Well, thanks so much for uh, joining today. It's about time for us to, to wrap things up. Um, so thank you for listening to On Your Bike. Please do give us a subscribe, share it with your friends. I know that you will probably have about eight cycling friends that you could share us with uh, and it'll make a massive difference. And if you can take a moment to give us a five-star review, yes, I'm hustling, but it's a reason for that. It makes a big difference. It pushes us up because we're a brand new podcast. We've got no massive organisation behind us. We are not the Yumbo Visma of podcasting far from it so give us a a small St Piran if that um, it will be be much appreciated as well but it's just about time to go so I'll say a goodbye I've been Stanley Rajavadula I've been Harriet Muckle I've been Dan Deakins and we have been on your bike we will see you stage three in Ghoul On Your Bike is a Sandpod production.